Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you are here today because God's word is going to build you up to do everything that you're called to do and to be the person that God has called you to be. Praise God. Now, before we get into today's message, let's first honor the Lord by bringing in the tithes and offerings. Now, I want to put a picture up on the screen. There might be a few people that recognize the image that's up on the screen. Uh, what you're looking at right now is called the Allen D. Meteorite. Let me see if I can explain a little bit about this unusual meteorite. Uh, and by the way, this is just a chunk out of the bigger rock that exploded. And this happened on the early morning of Saturday, February, uh, actually it was February uh, the 8th on a Saturday. It happened in 1969. It says that a brilliant fireball, a meteorite, was observed over much of northern Mexico and even some areas of Texas and New Mexico. And a spectacular phenomena centered around the city of Hidalgo del Peral in the south central part of the state of Chihuahua. Okay, so there in Mexico, the fireball approached from the south southwest, and as it neared its terminal point, the brilliant light was accompanied by tremendous explosions and a strong blast of air. Thousand, uh, in other words, the meteorite. Uh, at that time, it's called a meteor. Once it's on the ground, it's called a meteorite. But the meteor exploded, of course, as it was coming into the Earth's atmosphere there in the area of Chihuahua, Mexico. Thousands of individual meteorite stones rained down over a large area of rural Mexico. Now, the reason there has been such a good gathering up of these meteorite stones is because they landed in an area that was primarily desert. So it was very easy for people that saw the meteorites uh, coming in uh, and exploding and the rocks, they literally could see the rocks falling and they were easy to find because there's hardly any, any vegetation or hardly any houses also. So it was just desert area, a few houses here and there, but it was very easy to go out and pick these stones up. Uh, one meteorite weighing 30 pounds fell within 15 feet of a house in the town of Alinde. This stone was broken up and pieces were taken to uh, the office of a local newspaper. And then, of course, it was published and people began to find out about it. And uh, people began to come from different parts. Uh, Arizona State University sent a team down there with a pickup truck. And uh, that's literally what were happening. Guys were showing up, showing up with pickup trucks <laughs> and going out there and looking all over for these meteorites. By the way, if you ever happen to get your hands on one, they can be worth some money, particularly if one comes down, as we would say, fresh. In other words, you see it come in, it lands or something like that, and it can be validated. Uh, it's worth a lot more money than just finding one out in the middle of the desert that's been laying there for several thousand years. But something very special about the Alinde meteorite is that it has minerals in it 
that are not found anywhere else on the planet, except, of course, for one exception. I'll swing back to that in just a moment. So this rock came from outer space. Uh, many of the scientists believe that it probably came from the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, where you've got this big band of, you know, busted up rocks floating around out there. I won't get into that, uh, uh, why that asteroid belt is there, but uh, fun topics for creation scientists for sure. But anyhow, that's probably where this meteorite came from. And because it's coming not from Earth, but from outer space, it actually has minerals in it you cannot find anywhere on planet Earth. One of the mineralites that, to me, that has been a favorite that I really like, it's called Tystarite. Tystarite is not found anywhere on the Earth, although they found little specks of it uh, in this Linde meteorite. By the way, uh, let me put the image back up on the screen. The little white specks there in the stone, the little white specks are areas where the Tystarite is actually found. Those are uh, belonging to the titanium family. But these, these are ultra, ultra, uh, ultra rare minerals, again, not found on the earth. All right. Now, let's move, of course, from 1969. Let's move up to the year 2019. Just a couple of years ago, there was a man digging uh, in an area of Israel. And uh, he started a company to explore for rare stones. The reason he's looking, of course, for these rare stones is that he thought that they would be there, but he also met a famous rabbi. And the rabbi said, oh, yes, they're there. And he actually gave him a scripture from the Bible of why those stones were there. So he's, the rabbi said, very famous rabbi, uh, rabbi, rabbi Sneezer, they called him the Rebbe. He said, yes. He said, according to this scripture, they are buried there by God. These rare stones are buried there. Well, this guy went over there, started digging, found out that God's word is true. And they actually found uh, this beautiful stone. I'm going to put it on the screen now. It's extremely rare. Uh, it's, been, it's been given the official name of being called Carmel Sapphire. Now, remember, the diamond is the hardest sub, uh, sub, uh, substance in the world. Second behind it, and a close second, is sapphire. So this, of course, you're looking at a blue-type sapphire, and it's called Tar, uh, Carmel Sapphire. Why? Because it's only found in Israel, and it's only found right there in the area of Mount Carmel. And there's the, uh, the Kishon Valley uh, that goes by it very, very closely. And so it's there in that area of Carmel. Yes, right where uh, the prophet Elijah <laughs> Uh, had his famous encounter with the false prophets of Baal. Now, the, the technical name for that beautiful blue stone is Carmel Tazite. And, of course, it's named after Mount Carmel. But here's something that's wild. And I want to tell you while I, why I'm sharing this, not just to give you a lesson on astronomy or the uh, natural blessings of Israel to a degree, but I want you to understand 
that they have taken the Carmel Sapphire and they have done scans of it with electron microscopes and they've done these other tests on it and guess you wouldn't believe it guess what's in the Carmel Sapphire tie star right in other words and this is wild in other words there are elements that are so rare their only place they're found is out in space and the only place on earth that they have been found to exist is in Israel isn't that amazing now knowing this I want you to go with me now to Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 21 and I'm going to read this from the King James Version of the Bible because it's pulling from the Masoretic text, which is the most accurate text and uh, a very literal text. And I want to read it from the King James Version Bible because it's translated correctly. It says that your days may be multiplied. Okay, we all want to live a long life. That your days may be multiplied and the days of your children. In the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Let me read it to you from Young's literal translation. So that your days are multiplied and the days of your sons on the ground which Jehovah has sworn to your fathers to give to them as the days of the heavens on the earth. See the 12 tribes, they each had their allotted land. And this one rabbi knew that according to this one tribe, according to what it says in scripture in the Hebrew, when you study the Hebrew, there are beautiful stones in their land. And that's where they're finding all of these ultra rare earth elements and uh, some things, some minerals that um, you don't find anywhere else on the planet. And then with Tystarite, you don't find it anywhere else uh, on the earth anywhere. It's only found in space, in meteorites. Wow, praise the Lord. So here's the thing. God's word is true. As it is uh, in heaven, let it be on earth. Praise God. God wants you to have some heaven on earth. They have actually proven now that this scripture is true, even from a scientific standpoint. Praise God. That's powerful. That's powerful because the meteorite, coming from the heavens and being now on the earth and what is on the earth is now replicated or being revealed from what was previously only in heaven. Wow. God wants you to have some heaven on earth in your life. And with events like this taking place in Israel, you always want to look at Israel as a gauge. You can gauge what's going on in the world. You can gauge what God's doing in the church by looking at Israel. And I'm telling you, God wants you to have heaven on earth in your life. That's in the Bible. And it's literal. And it also has application to us as believers. Let's go to the uh, New Covenant, New Testament, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. When and where that happened? That happened when he was on the cross there in Jerusalem. Okay, so uh, that's when the price was paid. For it is written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree." That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is the promise of the Spirit? Everything that God has made available. Uh, for us in the new covenant, plus the blessing of Abraham 
comes on us to anybody that is in Christ. What does that mean? It means you should be having some heaven on earth in your life. Woo, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. Yes, hallelujah. You should, you should be walking in health, heaven on earth. You should be walking in prosperity, heaven on earth. You should be walking in joy, heaven on earth. You should be having some new discoveries like they are over there in Israel. Why? They have a covenant with the Lord. It's not a covenant of salvation. It's a covenant of blessing. They still need Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus died for the Jews and the Gentiles. He didn't just die for the Gentiles. He died for the Jewish people also to pay the penalty for all of our sins that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved to praise God. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So my friends, you should be having some new discoveries. You should be having some new breakthroughs. You should be having some new levels of prosperity. The company that found the Carmel Sapphire, they now make, uh, they now work with a, a jeweler to make some of the most exquisite jewelry in the world where some of these rare stones, they put them on rings and everything like that. And you, you, you can buy them, of course. But this is, these are stones coming out of the Holy Land. These are actually coming from the area of Carmel. Praise God. Fascinating. My friends, open up your mind and your thinking to God bringing some heaven on earth into your life. I know we can't have full heaven until we get there, but you can have some. Woo, glory to God. Amen. Have a heavenly home. Have a heavenly marriage. Have heavenly joy and peace in your life. Have some heavenly health in your body. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, remember, Abraham was a tither. Oh, now this is what some people say. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's under the law, though. No, Abraham was tithing before the law was ever instituted. Mm -hmm. Praise God. So let's let that blessing of Abraham touch our lives in these areas of exploration, new discoveries, new areas of prosperity and breakthrough. Woo, praise the Lord. Somebody might be getting excited. Maybe you want to go get a shovel, start digging in your backyard to see what's there. <laughs> and if you have a meteorite land in your backyard and you sell it, uh, you know, there's a lot of Japanese investors. They'll pay millions of dollars if it's, a, if it's one that looks real unique and pretty. Uh, make sure you honor the Lord and pay your tithe. Mm-mm, because the tithe belongs to who? To the Lord. God said 10% is mine. Amen. And when you give God the 10%, he blesses the other 90. Amen. More than you could ever do your, on your own ability. Praise the Lord. Now, let's be like Abraham, the father of the faith. Let's, let's be tithers, and let's walk in the blessing, and let's have some heaven on earth, some heaven in our lives, Mm-mm. I'm telling you, we're in times of strange things that God is doing. Woo, praise God. Amen. All right, Father, I'm praying for your people that this is a time of breakthrough in their lives. This is a time of heaven on earth where the things that they desire, they, they see manifested. The things they want to do, they step into it. And their life Bring you glory and honor. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you. Even, 
Even Father, as the Apostle Paul ministered to the Gentiles, and he would do so in a way, and, and with signs, wonders, and miracles, to provoke to jealousy his Jewish, uh, uh, the, those of the Jewish, uh, you know, because he was a Jew also. But he was, he's provoking them to come to Christ. Father, may our lives carry a divine provocation that people would see us our character, our nature, and your hand upon, uh, upon our lives, and they say, whew, I don't know about them, and I don't know about this or that, but whew, something sh good sure is going on in their life. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you praise. Shine through your people, I pray, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, let's bring the tithes and offerings in. If you want to mail them in, Please send your tithes and offerings to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. Praise the Lord. I was just thinking that the Carmel Sapphire, there's very little, limited amounts of it, but um, they sell it over there. Woo, that would be a lot of fun to have some of that. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Fascinating things. You know, it's phenomenal how God can assign value to something. And there's something about our human nature that we know it's valuable. If you pick up uh, dirt, you think, well, there, this is everywhere. But something about silver, something about gold, something about precious metals, it has enduring uh, uh, value. Why? God assigned value to them. That's why. Mm -hmm. And these things are fascinating. It's all God's creation. It's all God's creation. And we, of course, we don't worship the creation. We worship our creator. But wow, what a wonderful world he has made. Now, if you want to bring your tithe and your offering in online, please visit the website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage is a link that says Give has a red heart. Click that. You can bring the tithe in right now online. And if you would like to sow special seed, we have various opportunities. Click the orange tab that says projects, and you'll see our current focuses, uh, the various projects we're working on at this time. Thank you for your giving. Woo! Be anticipating heaven on earth in your life. Be anticipating your dream home. Be anticipating, as it says in Psalm 112, Verse three, that you not only have a home, but it's full of wealth and riches. Woo. What is this? Heaven on earth. Mm -mm. Boy, I, I could just tell in my spirit some of the things I'm saying today. There's some new people listen, listening. You've got so much religious doctrination. You in your mind, you see Jesus walking around barefoot. You see a bunch of 12 apostles uh, looking for a handout, begging for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm telling you, this is the place we come to. They get our minds renewed with the word of God. God, not with religious ideologies, but with the word of God. What does that mean? It means some heaven on earth. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, bless your people in Jesus name. Amen. Woo. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. What a beautiful world that he has made. Thank you, Jesus. You know, very interesting, my wife and I were going to try to take a little break and maybe go out to Yellowstone and just uh, pray and, 
enjoy God's beautiful creation. But it uh, looks like Yellowstone's having a few problems. <laughs> so we missed all of that. <laughs> we never made any reservations or bookings. But that was obviously the Lord, or else we would have gotten stuck out there. And all those cancellations and, uh, you know, uh, all the rains uh, and, and all the runoff wiping out all the roads and, wow, causing a real problem out there. Praise the Lord. Always good. Always good to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now, today I want to talk about the subject of your purpose in the journey of life. You're not just meandering through life, you know, kind of figuring it out as you go. Uh, there is a purpose. I want to talk today about your purpose in the journey of life. Heavenly Father, as we study your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would move upon the hearts of your people. Let there be a clear understanding of our responsibility and a clear understanding of your ability to lead and guide and to give selective callings. Now, Father, we thank you. You're working very precisely in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I want to share a few things and put out a few nuggets before we jump it into a few scriptures. The first thing I want to say is that you are here on a mission, and you are commissioned to serve a distinct purpose. Mm, praise God. There is an assignment that came down with you when you were born into the earth. There is an assignment. You may not even know what it is, but you were given one. Praise God. That assignment has to be discovered before life can really become meaningful. You have to discover what that assignment is and begin to move in that direction. Praise God. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and in some ways it seems very contrary to what our decayed culture of the day would proclaim. But I want to say this. It is not what you want that matters, but what you are created to do. That is what matters the most. Now that flies in the face of so-called conventional wisdom, where sometimes you might see a politician who's trying to do a little photo shoot or a little video clip that he could have aired that makes him look like, you know, he's a, uh, uh, you know, a great encourager. And maybe a politician goes to a classroom and uh, there's an elementary school and you have all these little kids in third grade or second grade. And he says, he says, now one day, if you want any of you here, you could be the next president or you could be this or you could be that you could be anything you want. Again, I want to say from a biblical kingdom perspective of God's kingdom, it's not what you want to be that matters. See how that is contrary to, to the secular culture? It is not what you want to be that matters, but what you are created to do. That is what matters the most. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Let's dig into this even further. Please listen very carefully. To these things that I'm teaching today. Purpose. I'm talking about your purpose. It cannot be established upon the targeting of wealth. Wow. Wow. You know, there was a, uh, a poll done in a, uh, 
a uh, university that had a Bible department where they would, uh, you know, help those that wanted to go into ministry receive training. And so they found out that all, uh, not all, but the majority of those who were in the Bible department who were getting training and were going in a certain direction were all moving into one direction, and that was in the area of Christian counseling. And so a survey was given to all of these young students because it wasn't this uh, a singular university, but it was many uh, Christian universities that had Bible departments. And they were asking, the, the survey was asking, why are you gravitating in this direction? The resounding answer, answer that came back was good pay, uh, you know, all the benefits, you know, of being a counselor at a big church. Now you get a good paycheck and you know you, you have all this job security and stuff like that and uh, you've got everything covered in a nice way now it's it's not anything where you could ever really in a sense lead or you could break something through but you have a nice little job security here's your check and everything is nice and stable and that's what they were discovering, uh, that they were mainly wanting a job that gave them security or material gain. But purpose, your God-given purpose will not be initiated off of a platform of making decisions based upon material gain. Can you imagine with ministry? Where would all the preachers be if it were solely based upon you go into the ministry? Because if you go into the ministry, you'll be rich. <laughs> no, you go into the ministry because you're called. Mm. I talked to a man one time, a good man. And he said, Pastor Stephen, he said, next year, I'm going to sell my business. And then I'll have the money to go into the ministry. I said, oh, I said, you got it all wrong. I said, you don't go into the ministry because now you have money. You only go into the ministry based upon divine call. Not because suddenly you have a bunch of money. I can quit, quit my job. No, it doesn't work like that. But that's the way a lot of people try to figure out their lives. And you're off on the wrong step when you do that. Purpose does not target material or financial gain. Purpose if you break it down to the lowest common denominator, purpose targets your ability of where you can contribute the most. But it's not just like saying, well, let me look around and see what the needs are. I'll jump in. No, because you can contribute many different places, but you have to get into your assigned role. Your purpose has an assigned role, but it's based on not how much money you can get, but it's based on what you can contribute. Mm-mm. A purpose without a vision or a vision or a dream without that purpose that is based on your ability to contribute. If it's, if it's not based on your ability to contribute that, that dream or vision, it's not going to see the light of day. It's just not going to make it my friends. Wow. Wow. Glory to God. Mm, mm, mm. I've heard people uh, say things like, well, I want to tell you about an investment. Now, of course, I'm telling you about it because I don't have a lot of money. Because if I did, I certainly wouldn't be sitting here. I'm like, well, then what are you even doing this for? <laughs> you're all, so you're only doing, 
something to get a bunch of money so you can go sit on the beach for the rest of your life and work on your tan. What an utter stupid waste of your life. Mm, there's no purpose in that. There's no purpose in that. Well, I just want to, I want to retire by the age of 40 and do what? <laughs> and do what? Mm, wow. All of these things we have to really dig into because of the Western culture in which we live, where in many ways we are like the book of revelation of Jesus Christ with the church of Laodicea that had tremendous wealth and wealth is a good thing. God gives you the power to get wealth, but wealth without God will corrupt to the core. Mm -mm. You'll begin to pull away, fall away from God. If you don't stay close to him and uh, you have to be real careful with these things in the area of finances and also your purpose, but we have to get the purpose right. And then everything else will flow so much smoother. A discovery of purpose is essentially a discovery of your area of service. What is my purpose? Well, I can tell you right now, it's not the consume, although you do need to consume something. You need, you do need to consume some food, right? You do need to, you're going to have to use some electricity. You're going to have to buy some clothes. You're going to, you know, every now and then you're, you might want to take a vacation. So there is an element where, yes, we, we are consumers, but we are not just gorged with consuming. Okay. We are not primarily consumers. That's not what our focus is. Praise God. A discovery of purpose is essentially a discovery of your area of service. Now, purpose, again, it's not about the accumulation of material wealth, but it's about your heart to serve, to serve God in the area that he's calling you to, that he's assigning you to. And don't you understand that if you follow him, there will be icing on the cake? If you follow him, all of these other things that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter six, verse 33, that the Gentiles craving, they think about it. How can I get my hands on that? How can I get this? How can I get that? The Lord says it's added to you. It's added to you. It automatically comes with having your purpose lined up and you're being on assignment with what God has called you to do. And that is going to be service based, not consumption based. Oh, we have some people today, all they want to do is just pamper themselves, spoil themselves, consume, 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 and they don't really have any care or compassion to the world of hurts that is going on around them. So they're insular. They have insulated themselves from all of the uh, and, and look, you can't fix everything. It's, it, the world's too big. Yeah. And even if you're a multi-billionaire, you could just pour money here and there before you know it. That can all be gone because so, there are big problems. But you can do something. And God wants you to base your purpose not on what you can grab and get, but what you can contribute through serving. This is really helping somebody to get delivered and to get free today. Praise God. Mm-mm. If you are only on the planet to consume, I would say, be careful, watch out because you may end up getting consumed. I'm a shark, Pastor Stephen. There's always a bigger shark in the ocean. 
<laughs> I remember the time uh, this one spirit-filled businessman, praise God, hallelujah, you know, he had all the lingo down, all the Christian lingo, would lift his hands and, you know, pray in tongues and all of this stuff. Oh, what a swindler, though. What a swindler. But let me say this. There's always a bigger swindler out there somewhere. And if you're, if you're swindling people to consume it, you took from them unlawfully, unethically, and you, but, but you don't care because you're consuming. It's all for you, for your stuff. Now you can, oh, you can go spend and buy what you want. Um, you can get devoured doing that. I saw him one day, and one day he looked so wiped out. He actually had just gotten wiped out financially. And I said, brother, I said, how you doing? He goes, oh, not good. I said, what's wrong? He goes, I invested my money with this man. He gave me all these promises. He said this, that, and the other. And he's taken all of my money. He's taken all of it, and I can't get it back. And he was eating him up, eating him up. That's not the worst part. Well, that's, that's the root reason for the worst part. But you know what part B is? You ready for this one? He gritted his teeth and said, I made this investment so sure that it was going to work, I didn't tell my wife. Because, you know, when you have a spouse, you're 50-50. But he didn't tell her. And she's over here making plans about what they're going to do with their money. A lot of it is what they got from swindling somebody over here. And uh, she's over here making plans, and he said, She's over there making plans, and she doesn't even know there's zero money in the bank. It's gone. All of it. And it was a lot. He told me how much. I won't say it. I keep real good secrets. But a lot of these things I can get stories from to share, to give insight into these biblical principles of how we should live and govern our lives. Mm -mm. It was a lot. He was about to have a total breakdown and start crying. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. These things are very, very real. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you are only on the planet to consume, watch out again, because you may end up getting consumed. Now, if you're only here to grab and possess, grab and possess, then really God's true purpose that he has planned for you, it's going to stay buried. You'll never know it. You'll never know it. He won't give it to you. He won't give it to you until you're ready to yield, lay your life down to him fully, serve him, and realize that your true purpose is not going to be based on consumption. It's going to be based on what can you do to contribute. And you know what? They're sinners that somehow picked this up, and they're not reading the Bible to try to learn these things, but they caught certain things. I know like Steve Jobs, he wasn't a Christian. Used a lot of profanity. And uh, I've read, you know, I've read about his life. I've read about conversations other people had with him. And he, he, he was a real uh, driven person. But he was, not, he was not out after money. He was simply out after the change, the way technology is done. And to bring technology forward that made people's lives better. He's not trying to get money out of their pockets. He's trying to make their lives better with products that enhance their lifestyle. And out of that, of course, he became very wealthy. But see, God can even see with sinners or whoever it is. He sees with all. He sees purpose. 
He sees purpose. And that begins to work with principles. And even if you're an unbeliever, you work the principles, they'll work. Now, that's not going to fix things for your salvation. That's a different story. That is a different story. True greatness, then, is a product of our genuine service. Mm-mm. All right. It's your degree of commitment to service that determines your ultimate height in this journey of life that you're going through. Okay. So again, it's your degree of commitment. You, re- you really have to commit to it. A commitment to service, not consuming, but to service that determines how high you're going to end up in life. I'm talking about the way God can lift you, the way God can bless you. But this has to be right. We have to get this lined up. Just like getting the plane on the runway. Let's get it all lined up. Let's not have it pointed over here to the bushes. (laughs) Woo, praise God. Amen. So the power of purpose. There's a lot of people talk about purpose, but it has a greed motivation sometimes. Or it has a self-consuming motivation. I read the book. What was that book called? The Secret it was about, the, you know, dealing with the law of attraction. I read that book. I heard, a, uh, I heard some real shallow Christians say, oh, this book was so good. Oh, it was so good. I read the book. I said, the book is loaded with selfishness. I just read through the book, and I, what's the big deal? I read through the book. I said, this book is nothing about, it's nothing but spiritual gimmicks and tricks to get stuff and to grab stuff for yourself. It's not about what can you contribute, what can you give, what can you do to make the world a better place. It's all about, phew, you can uh, do this and this will come to you. That, it was just, oh, wow, crazy, crazy that any Christian would see something like that or would look at that kind of material and think this is biblical. It was horrible. Praise the Lord. The power of purpose is manifested in service. Service, not consumption, service. Now, to fulfill your purpose in the journey of life, you need to carry three keys with you, praise God. And I'm going to give them to you today, praise the Lord. Now, the first key that you must hold is a spiritual key. Mm -mm. According to Scripture, without God, we're helpless. Without God, we're stranded. Oh, not me, Pastor Stephen. I have a college education. That's great, but things can pop up in life that your college degree can't handle. Sickness can attack your body and all the money in the world and even the best doctors looking over you in the world. That doesn't mean they can fix it because it could be incurable. Mm -mm. Without God, we are helpless. We see many scriptures that point to this reality. 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 9. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. I want to say it again. For by strength no man shall prevail. My friends, we need God. You must have a spiritual key that you carry with you all the time, a great reliance and trust upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 9. Romans 9, let's go over to verse 14. 
What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Praise the Lord. Many Christians have very unfortunate situations take place in their life when they allow a little success to cause them to somehow begin to disconnect from God. And the next thing you know, unfortunate events begin to take place. If it's not corrected, sometimes even calamities begin to arise. But my friends, no matter how beautiful a tree branch may be, the moment you cut that branch off, it begins to wither, it begins to lose its beauty, and it will eventually die. We must stay connected to the trunk because the trunk is rooted into the ground. The branch does not have roots going into the ground. So if the branch is cut off, it's finished. We have got to stay close to the Lord. You have to carry a spiritual key if you want to go through the journey of life and fulfill your purpose. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to John chapter 15. Verse 4. Abide in me. This is Jesus talking. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Say that. Say without him, I can do nothing. There's a few that won't say it. There's a few that are watching me, listening to me. You won't say it. You think you're too strong, don't you? Think you're too smart. Think you've got too many reserves. Too good of a backup plan. Pastor Stephen, I'm ready. I'm ready for anything. I got a bug out bag in the garage. I got guns, ammo, bullets. I've got gold, silver. I'm ready. You're not ready for anything without God. You're not ready for anything without God. Mm -mm. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Jesus. When we stop seeking God, we begin to sink and go under in the sea of life. It's trouble. It's trouble if you start getting away from God. Possessing a spiritual key is the only guarantee for sustained accomplishment in life. Pastor Stephen, I had a breakthrough. Pastor Stephen, God's really blessing me. Good. I want to see you six months steadying on, soldiering on. And I want to see you consistent, walking with the Lord. Woo, praise God. Look, look, these promises of living in the end times are heavyweight. God knows that we live in an era of history. Here at the, the end of the, the Gentile era, where the gospel is being preached all over the world, and we're getting closer and closer to that commission being fulfilled. But there are 
There are sin alternatives everywhere, unlike the world has ever known before. There are entertainment alternatives everywhere. But Jesus told the church in Laodicea, if you overcome in this kind of a culture, a last day's lukewarm culture, if you can overcome in this, you will be allowed to be seated with me on my throne. In other words, there's ruling and reigning with him in the future. I've heard Christians very nonchalantly say, well, well, in the millennium, we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. I wonder which city I'm going to be over. You won't be over anything if you're not ruling and reigning now. If you're not overcoming now, you're not qualified. The, the, the way people think sometimes in the church is almost like, like, Pastor Steve, I'm going to run in the Olympics. I'm ready to go. Well, running the Olympics, uh, you, you can't even run one lap. What, what are you talking about? You don't qualify. Well, who, who are you telling me I'm not qualified? Well, the Olympic committee has a standard you have to meet, and if you don't meet it, you can't, you can't even race in the prelims. <laughs> Pastor Steve, I'm going to rule and reign with Jesus in the millennium, and I'm going to tell nations what to do. You can't even tell your cat what to do. Hallelujah. We have to have order in our lives. That's why some people have very little angelic activity in their lives. There's no order. There's no order. And angels don't like it. They don't like it. They don't like chaos and stuff thrown all over the place and stuff messed up like that. They don't, they don't like that. They don't like that. Mm. What is often the difference between a poor man and a rich man? The poor man is willing to live with something that's broke and just puts up with it. And a rich person says, let's get some money and fix that. Let's, let's fix it. Let's do what we can. And a poor man, even if he has a screwdriver and the kit with the repair stuff right there to fix it, he says, I'll, I'll do it later. i got to watch this TV show. My favorite Western's coming on. And on and on it goes. On and on it goes. Praise God. But order, everything in its right place makes you happy. The moment you put things in order, joy and peace begin to come into your life. And that's why many people, they don't, uh, they don't sense the awareness sometimes of angels at special moments because their life is crazy, crazy out of order. All kinds of crazy stuff going on. We have to have order. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, you carry the spiritual key with you. And this is something that you have to remember. <sighs> God's purpose, God's purpose for you is the purpose you're running with. That's what you're going through the journey of your life with. Not just some random purpose. You are moving with God's purpose for your life. So that's going to require God's backing. But if you get his purpose, he will back you up. If you go with your own, you go on your own. Woo! Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Very, very powerful things that we're talking about today. Mm. Number two. The number two key that you need to be carrying with you to complete your purpose is that you need to be carrying a visionary key. A visionary key. Praise the Lord. 
You know, when I talk about dreams, I try to clarify what I mean by that. There is a dream where you go to sleep and you have a dream. Okay. We understand that. But sometimes there's the reference of a dream uh, as a mental picture of what you're looking forward to stepping into. And so that's what I'm talking about for a moment. You must hold a visionary key. You could even call it a dream key, but the visionary key or the dream key is when you close your eyes or you can do it with your eyes open, but you visualize with your righteous imagination, not just something that you're creating that's random, but something that applies to that purpose that fuels your inward fire. You, you see through that dream vision, you see where you're going in the future. Praise God. And that is the key that you must carry with you. And of course, with that key, we must depend on God's direction for every step that we take. We see this in Psalm 23, Psalm 23, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So the shepherd is leading and guiding the sheep. So you go with the shepherd and as long as you're with him, you're under his care and he has responsibility responsibilities on him to take care of you, anything you need as a sheep. But if you go a different way and you slip out of that, start going your own way. Wow. Then you're going to get away from that provision that goes to those that are being led by the shepherd. Praise God. Let me say this, my friends, not every good idea is a God idea. Just because it's a good idea doesn't mean that's God's purpose for your life or he wants you to be doing that. And this is where Christians must differentiate between these uh, images they can have or a, a spontaneous happy thought. Hey, this would be a great idea. Yeah, let's go do that. You have to, you have to make sure that you're only going with what God is backing. Praise the Lord. Whatever lacks divine backing, oh, becomes a heavy burden. Oh, <laughs> it may not be heavy when you start out. But if it doesn't have divine backing and you start going down that journey in a direction that God has never decreed, commissioned, or sent you on, it'll get so unbearably heavy. Woo! But don't start that journey in the first place. Stay in divine purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Well, we see a scripture in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. We've talked about this recently that gives insight. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Wow. So we want to stay close to the Lord and get these things right. Also, we see the same teaching repeated in Proverbs 16. Verse 25, where again it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but his end is the way of death. 
Let's bring everything before the Lord, any major decision or small decisions that could have repercussions and make sure we're lining everything up the way God wants it to be. The reason that we want to do this is because God is the only one. He's the only one who knows the end from the beginning. So following him is what guarantees our safety and our security. Nobody else knows these things, not the greatest advisors, not the great philosophers, not the great motivators or the great athletes or this or that or the other. Only God does. Only God does. That's why we very carefully need to stay close to him. Life, and I'm talking about your life, is designed by God to be moved forward in phases, and it delivers in phases. When you read a book, you go chapter by chapter by chapter, and life is sometimes the same way. If you keep pace with God, you won't lose your peace. Sounds simple, doesn't it? I want to say it again, though. If you keep pace with God, you won't lose your peace. Hmm. It could be, and I sense for a few that it is, it could be that some of the things that perhaps a few of you are trying to do, and you're trying to do it today, they are designed by God to be done sometime in the days ahead. But if you do them today, you could actually even jeopardize the beautiful tomorrow that God has planned for you. You want to use your faith. You want to be aggressive with your faith, but don't ever try to pound a square peg through a round hole. It won't go through there. I'm going through this door, Pastor Stephen, one way or the other. If I have to kick it down, well, you kick the door down. Now you've tore the whole frame up, and now <laughs> and this is not good. This is not the way that you should do this. The Lord is able to open the door. If you go through the right way with the Lord, there's a smoothness to it, and there's also a dignity that's associated with it. But if you go through the other way, and you're going to get in there no matter what. Yeah, you could be in there now, but you're not in God's timing and it's not going to go the way that you want it to. And you're going to have some unpleasant experiences as well. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And this again is why some have lost their peace. They're trying to get into something right now that God has planned, but it's not until later. And of course, one of the uh, most stressful areas of this is that if you get into something financially and you sense God has it for you, but what you're not understanding is that you're supposed to be there in three years, but you're wanting to be there now. You step into it, maybe sign papers, this, that, or the other, and it starts to get heavy. Mm -mm. Now, every believer who doesn't want to experience mishaps, Misfortunes in the journey of life must strongly desire to be led by the Lord. When the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. I'll say it again. When the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, I just don't have the money yet for this. Maybe it's not time for it. Maybe your faith is totally fine. Maybe your walk with God is right on target. Well, how come it's not here? Maybe it's not time for it to be there yet. And that's okay. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Number three, the third key that you must carry, praise the Lord, is the key of a role model. Praise God. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Let's turn over there just for a moment. Ecclesiastes 1. And I want us to look at verse 9. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. In other words, there's nothing new under the sun. So it's good to find out those who have gone ahead of you in your area of your of what your purpose is. If they have an identical type purpose and they've gone ahead of you, maybe they're 20 years older or 30 years older or even five years older, but they're way ahead, perhaps even at the finish line, getting close to it. Then what you want to do is you want to connect with them and find out and ask questions. How it has gone for them. What, what knowledge they have in this area. In other words, link up with them. Link up with them, particularly with the secrets that have made them successful. Let's take a look for a moment in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. My friends, we need to understand these ancient paths because there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Praise God. You know, I was listening to a message that was taught by Dr. Peter Daniels, the Christian businessman who is a multi-billionaire. And Dr. Daniels, God did a great work in his life because at one time he was an illiterate bricklayer. Couldn't read, and just all he could do was mason work. But he ended up becoming a billionaire, multi-billionaire. And very fascinating how he made that quantum jump. He talks about that. But Peter Daniels also, he studied the lives of many great accomplishers. And by the way, by reading all of these biographies and autobiographies of people that overcame impossible odds. That's how he made that great climb. The first thing he did is he taught himself to read and he read success stories of people that went from nothing to the top. And he read them over and over and read all kinds, read hundreds and then thousands of these stories. And it just built a faith vocabulary on the inside of him that he can have success also. And he found it. But he did ask himself the question, what is it in this area of looking at a role model, somebody that you see what they've done, and particularly somebody that's done something in the same field where God is calling you, and you say, 
what is the distinguishing difference that helped them to get there? And Dr. Daniels was particularly uh, interested in Winston Churchill because he was used by God in many ways to save Britain, save the UK. But here's what was interesting about Churchill. When he was a teenager, he actually told people, there will come a point in my life where I will save the British Empire, and I will save London. And he had people laugh at him and say, how can you make a crazy statement like that? He told that to a friend. The friend thought the statement was so shocking, he actually went and wrote it down. And that written letter was later passed on. It's in historical uh, archives today. But it was a statement that he made, Winston Churchill made when he was a teenager. There will come a day that I will be involved in saving the British Empire, and I know I'm going to save London. And the friend, even at that time, when they were teenagers, he asked Churchill, well, how are you going to do that? Are you going to go into politics? Are you going to go into the military? Churchill said, I believe I'm going towards the direction of politics. And so uh, he was asked again by his friend, or are you going to become like, maybe like a general or something? How is this going to happen? He said, I don't really know. I don't really know. But I do know that the day will come. I will save London. I'm going to save the British Empire. And you know what? His purpose didn't really come online until he was 65 years old. Now, yes, there was the building up of following certain steps, following certain paths. You could call it following purpose. And it all clicked for him, and he became prime minister. And he's the man that stood up to the big bully, Hitler. And he said, we will never quit. We will never quit. We're going to fight. We're going to fight Hitler and the Nazis. We're going to fight them with everything we've got. And uh, some of the speeches and some of the quotes he made are still legendary today. But Peter Daniels would look at people like Churchill as he studied them. And he said, Lord, what is this distinguishing factor that seems to cause some to make a marked difference that leaves a legacy? And so Peter Daniels asked the question, what makes the great great. And it took him years to figure it out and pray and ask the Lord and read all these books, countless books. And, uh, he, he's, he even collected a lot of memorabilia that actually belonged to Churchill, but he finally caught the revelation. The Lord gave it to him one day. Again, the question, what makes the great great? You know what the answer is? It sounds, it sounds totally simple. I'm going to tell you, before I tell you what it is, I'm just going to let you know it sounds really simple. But don't let it slip past you because it's profound. What makes the great great? It's their knowing they have a sense of destiny. That's the clue to Israel. Why are the Jews blessed? Why are Jewish people blessed? Why in the media? Why in the banking industry? Why in all of the, in these particular areas of science and so forth? Why are they always at the top? Why are they so blessed? The blessing of Abraham? Yes, but, but and that, that blessing comes from the Lord. It is a supernatural flow of God of blessing. But it also comes, and you have to have this part with it. It won't work without it. It comes with a mindset 
of knowing that you have a destiny of achieving. You have a destiny, not of being a loser or not your world falling apart, but you have a destiny of greatness. You have a destiny to make money. You don't have a destiny to be poor. Who in the world become wealthy when they think that their destiny is to be poor? Who in the world could have a ministry that is expansive or in making an impact when you feel that your destiny is only to preach just a couple of people? Now, of course, those couple of people that you minister to could be that God has somebody in there special. <laughs> and that's happened a lot of times. There was one lady taught a little Bible class, a Chinese students, and she fed them with the Word of God. And but it was just a little tiny class. One of them though was Watchman Nee, who grew up to be one of the greatest Chinese Christian writers of devotional topics and stuff like that. His teachings still circulate around the world today. Now, Watchman Nee did not have certain revelations such as Word of Faith, and right offhand, I'm not sure if he was filled with the Spirit either, but still has some very deep writings. And she came out of his class. But my friends, you need to know what your, your destiny is, your purpose, your destiny. And that is what releases people into greatness. And it is true. It is true that even sinners can get, they can begin to zone in on what that purpose is. But you can't come to the fullness of it without Christ. Because as far as we know, Churchill died without the Lord. He never said he was an atheist, but he was pretty much, everybody knew him to be an agnostic, and he was not ready to meet God. So uh, the fullness is to, yes, make your impact, fulfill the purpose, but to know God <laughs> and go to heaven, take a whole bunch of people with you. Mm -mm. So in that sense, you can't come up short. Praise the Lord. But as believers, we're going to, we're going to catch it all. Praise God. So you want to be able to connect with a role model, ask questions, uh, ask what the, what the pitfalls are, ask what the challenges are. And I've, I've had that privilege, such as uh, in the area of television ministry, to sit down uh, with those that have global uh, media ministries and ask, okay, so how did, how did this work for you? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? And, of course, if you're not familiar with that field, you can't even generate questions. So you have to, in your area of purpose, you have to have knowledge. Knowledge does what? According to Proverbs, knowledge brings favor. So if you can talk the language in every career field has their own language, then you can ask the questions that are necessary that when you have a role model, you can tap into that wisdom and knowledge base. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is the influence of a role model. And if you pick it up and you move forward, you end up becoming a role model yourself. Praise God. Isaiah 51. Let's close with that. Isaiah 51. Verse 1. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. Of course, that would be you. You who seek the Lord. Again, that would be you. 
Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. God did it. The reason Abraham got to the top was not because his relationships, although you want relationships. The reason God, uh, uh, Abraham got it, got to the top was not because of making deals on the side or something like that. No, no. God was his success. I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. It all came from the Lord, but you can look at Abraham from the rock you were cut and you could look at him, the father of faith, and you can use him as a role model. And you can see, oh, oh, I want the results of Abraham's life. Okay, well then be like Abraham. Walk in faith. Be a person of faith. Take God at his word. Oh, number two, be obedient. When God says to do something, go do it immediately. And we see that with Abraham being instructed by the Lord to sacrifice Isaac. There was instant obedience. The next morning he was up early, getting it all uh, moving forward. And you also want to be generous like Abraham was. He was a great host. Constantly, actually, actually constantly hosting people. In the book, Angels on Assignment, Roland Buck was taken in a vision to heaven. And he pulled a book off the shelf there in heaven. There was biographies all over, and all, you know, all over the libraries of heaven. And there was records about all kinds of everybody's life that's in heaven. And he saw the book on Abraham's life and he pulled it and he opened it up and he began to look through it and flip through the pages. Cause all of the righteous deeds of Abraham are recorded in that book. And he said, I couldn't believe how many times he's hosting people. Now we understand, of course, in the ancient Middle East, there's no Holiday Inn, there's no Ramada, you know, there's no Hilton or wherever the case might be. But you know, so people often would would uh, give people a place to stay, an extra an extra tent or something like that. But he said, still, even understanding the culture, he said, I couldn't believe. I mean, it's just amazing how many times uh, he and Sarah were hosting people, blessing people, giving food to people, uh, being hospitable. To people. By the way, that is a grace. According to the New Testament, the ability to be hospitable is a grace. Not, and I'll tell you, not everybody has it. <laughs> wow. Mm -mm. My wife and I and daughter, one time when we were traveling on the road, we were way up north, and a pastor said, uh, he said, Pastor Stephen, I insist that you stay at my house. I said, well, brother, I, ha I have a motorhome. I can just stay in the motorhome. Pastor Stephen? I insist that you and your family stay at my house. I have a beautiful home. I thought, well, I've heard that before. Hey, but he, he was so like, I'll take good care of you that I said, okay, I'll do it. And so anyhow, I stayed at his house, and it was really weird. Uh, he had uh, actually kind of a junky house, uh, but I didn't say anything. Just had a good heart, had a good attitude. But, you know, there's a lot of people, they just don't have the gift of, of hospitality. They do not know how to be hospitable. To be hospitable, you have to think about the needs of the other, not what your likes or preferences are. You have to be able to identify what makes them happy and meet them in that area. So he said, dinner tonight. He said, come on in for dinner. 
We went into the uh, kitchen uh, area and sat down, and he said, I've been cooking this all day for you, uh, Pastor Stephen, and you're, you and your family are going to love it. And he pulls out of the oven this giant big pig. He's cooked this big pig roast, and uh, he set it out on the table. And he took, a bo- I'm not making this up. He took a big bottle of ketchup. The ketchup bottle was like this big. And he took the ketchup and just squirted it. It looked, it looked like something out of a horror movie. He squirted ketchup all over it, just squirting. It looked, it looked crazy, this big pig and squirting ketchup all over it. And then he sat down. And he said, oh, Brother Brooks, bless it. This is going to be a feast. <laughs> well, first of all, I don't eat pork. And second of all, back when I was raised in the South, when I was younger, and my, you know, we did eat pork chops and stuff like that. But I, 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 I could eat, I could handle the pork chop when I was young. But this, this just looks gross. Oh, he did one more thing. He took a can. It was, of course, it wasn't fresh. He took a can and opened the can, and inside of it was pineapples, pineapple chunks that were, you know, little tiny pieces. And he took the can and just threw it. And all the juice and all the pineapple pieces just flew everywhere, and he threw it all over the pig. <laughs> so the pig is splattered, covered with ketchup, and splattered and covered with chunks of pineapple and pineapple juice running all over it. Oh, he was drooling. He could hardly wait to dig in. And I said, I said, brother, I feel the anointing, the fast just suddenly touched my heart. <laughs> Brother Brooks, don't mind. I'll eat your portion. I said, Brother, you go right ahead. I'll just work on, I'm just going to have a little bread over here. Woo, glory to God. I don't not quite know how I got off on that. But sometimes if you want to be a good, if you want to learn hospitality, get around a role model. Somebody that's good at it. My wife's really, really good at it. And um, not, not all pastors have that gift. That's why. That's why there could be somebody in a church that does have it and knows how to take care of the guest speaker because the pastor might not. Mm, 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 mm. That, by the way, is why it would always be good for pastors to at least spend some time traveling out on the field as a guest speaker every now and then. Then you actually know what a guest speaker goes through. (laughs) Oh, these things are wonderful. Praise God. But my friends, carry these three keys with you. And as you move through your journey of life, your purpose, which is not consumption-based, your purpose, which is serving-based, will be fulfilled. And you'll go to be with the Lord And you'll take a whole bunch of people with you. Praise God. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for everybody that's watching right now. That they take these three keys with them. And I just thank you, Father God, for a refined purpose. That before people move into something, they will say, am I doing this because this will bless people? Or am I caught up? In some kind of a greed thing that it swept everybody into it and it's trying to pull me into it also. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, some of the greatest investors in America, one of the criteria that they look at when they invest 
is that they will not invest in companies where there is not a shareholder dividend. What does it mean if there's not a shareholder dividend, a share, uh, if the dividends are not being paid out? It means all the profits are going to the executives and the shareholders aren't getting anything. So many of the top investors, those who've made hundreds of millions and billions, in other words, they're not, they're not investing just so they can get rich. No, they're doing it the right way. They are investing in the good companies that take care of their shareholders. These are ethical companies that actually care about people. And they're not just running after money. They actually care about people and they want the whole group to be lifted together. Not just a few at the top. <laughs> Woo! Glory, glory. I see your purpose as being something very beautiful, but I know it's also rooted in serving others. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Now, if you're watching today's program and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you already have a sense of purpose. But the fullness of it can never be realized without knowing Christ. So today is time to make your peace with God. Don't wait another moment. Pray this prayer today. Pray it after me. Pray it out loud. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and wash all of my sins away. Give me your new life. Write my name, Jesus, in your book of life. And step into my life today and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for committing your life to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, as a church family and as believers in Yeshua, Jesus Christ, our Savior, let's take Holy Communion together today. Grab some unleavened bread. I have one of these little crackers and grab some grape juice. That's what I have in my cup here. And let's pray over it. Father, we thank you for our bread and our grape juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. That is, we set it apart as being holy through this prayer. And we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, when we look at it, we still just see a cracker and grape juice, but we know it's the body and the blood veiled what would appear to be the form of bread and juice. But we thank you that this is now the flesh and the blood of Christ. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you for victory. We thank you for clearly identified purpose. Unveiled in 4K high resolution. We thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father God, for freeing us from the pollution of the world so that our motives are pure. And we're on the right path. Now, we thank you, Father God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Some of you need some role models. God's going to bring some even personally into your life in that area 
that would line up with your calling, with your purpose. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we committed any sin, that you would forgive us. And we forgive anybody who has sinned against us. We thank you, Father, for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Cleansing us throughout the day. Protecting us and keeping us safe. We just give you all of the praise. We thank you, Father God, that life goes quick. Life goes quick. Help us to use our time wisely. Thank you, Father. Help us to be serious about our purpose, the assignment that you have given us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Now dive in. And go and fulfill your purpose. And give God your very best. And thank you for watching today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Bye-bye.